Selenium functions as a dietary antioxidant and may play a role in many chronic diseases. When should we consider selenium augmentation? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt from Foothill Psychiatry in Boise, Idaho, your host, and with me today is Dr. Maria Busalis. Dr. Busalis is Director of Clinical Nutrition at the College of Health Sciences at the University of Kentucky in Lexington. She's also the past recipient of the John M. Kinney International Award for Nutrition and Metabolism. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Busalis. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Lunt. Very happy to be here. Now, tell me about selenium. You know, I don't think I ever learned about this in school. Well, selenium is one of those trace minerals that we need in very, very small amounts through the diet. And it functions actually as a part of proteins known as selenoproteins. And basically their job is to function either as defensive you know, mechanisms for oxidative stress, so as antioxidants. They also actually help in the regulation of thyroid hormones and thyroid activity. And then they also help us with vitamin C in the redox status of vitamin C, essentially, you know, to keep it recycled, essentially. Mm, so it does many different things. It does. Now, is there a place for selenium supplementation in, in different diseases? Let's start with hypertension. Well, it's interesting that you asked that. You know, from the literature review, since the dietary reference intakes were published in 2000, there have been actually a number of cross-sectional studies that actually have looked at that question, and they've shown that there might be a slight association of, you know, having like a lower selenium concentration in the blood with higher blood pressure. But interestingly, one of the researchers looked at a group of Flemish men, Dr. Nowrat, and actually they found only in men but not in women that there might be a small statistically significant, you know, relationship. But unfortunately, it wasn't really clinically relevant. It's only like one or two millimeters, mm-hmm. you know, mercury. Mm-hmm. But then when they looked at these, when they followed these men longitudinally for about five years, it did show that a little bit higher concentration of selenium was like 20 micrograms per deciliter in the blood, seemed to have like around a 37% lower risk of developing a higher blood pressure greater than 135 over 80. But again, they didn't see this in women. And then another group looked at it in actually southwestern Nigeria, actually a small group of individuals, about 100 with hypertension and 83 controls. And they also found that the mean selenium blood concentration was a little lower in the hypertension you know, compared to the healthy controls. But the problem, you know, how with some studies, the healthy controls were a little bit, were significantly younger. So again, that might have contributed Uh to that. But then when they looked at one of the markers that we have for selenium, the plasma activity of glutathione peroxidase, which is an enzyme that selenium is in, there was no difference. So again, they kind of suggest that there might be something with hypertension, But those two studies contrast with about three others that really found either negative or no effects. So probably the answer with selenium and hypertension is we really need to wait for some prospective, double-blind, you know, randomized controlled trials to really see. Mm -hmm. Now, it wouldn't hurt if you're working with somebody with hypertension, you know, just to check selenium status. And how do you check it? Well, you probably would either do two things. Generally, we look at the circulation in the plasma, So you get a blood level. Blood level, right. Or you can look at actually the level of glutathione peroxidase and that activity in the blood, which is kind of how the dietary reference intakes are established. Are those easily available? Well, the first one, you know, looking at selenium concentration in the blood is probably more readily available than the the latter. Uh, Okay. But in general, you know, in the U.S., our food in general supplies us with almost twice 
what is recommended for us to consume anyway. And what is the recommended? The dietary reference intakes, which were published in 2000 for selenium and some other antioxidant nutrients, they came up with the recommended dietary allowance, you know, that RDA. Mm -hmm. And for adults, it's 55 micrograms per day. And it's less in the younger individuals. 55 micrograms. Wow, that's not very much. Well, it's not much. It's micrograms, so yeah, it's small. micrograms. Huh. Now, is there any evidence for selenium augmentation in any other cardiovascular disease? Well, the evidence in cardiovascular disease, there's probably two sort of groups. You think of sort of congestive heart failure and then maybe coronary heart disease in general. And what's interesting is why they sort of looked at congestive heart failure is there's, there's one known role of selenium deficiency in humans, and that's in the etiology of this Keshen disease, which is in areas of China that have very low selenium in the soil. And so they looked at congestive heart failure, but they haven't really identified a relationship. But even though one study found that individuals with congestive heart failure had a little bit lower selenium levels in the blood, that blood level was still within normal limits. So again, what do you say about that? On the other hand, when you look at cardiovascular disease, there was a nice you know, meta-analysis done pretty recently where Flores, Mateo, and their group looked at like 25 observational studies and about six uh, small randomized controlled trials. And they found a moderate, but it was statistically significant, inverse association between like selenium concentration and, and coronary heart disease. But the problem was in the few randomized controlled trials, you know, when you're looking at observational studies, there's actually, you know, a lot of um, other factors that might affect it. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the randomized control trials, there was a small, but it was a non-significant reduction in coronary events related to selenium. Mm-hmm. So, again, the authors of that study even questioned any association because of the nature of these observational studies and said it's still inadequate evidence to establish a protective role of selenium mm-hmm. in coronary heart disease. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think we still need to look at some prospective randomized trials. Is anybody doing that work? Do you know? Well, it's interesting you say that. When you look at the area of cancer, there's one study that's ongoing right now because we didn't really answer the role of selenium in cancer, and that's the SELECT trial. I don't know if you've heard of it. Selenium and vitamin E cancer prevention trial. It's a National Cancer Institute-funded trial, and it's randomized, controlled. It's actually looking at the role of selenium in particular in prostate cancer, but other cancers will be looked at. And probably as a result of this study, unfortunately, the results aren't going to be done until probably 2011. Mm-hmm. I suspect they're going to be looking at other diseases as well. So while it's really looking at cancer, per se, there's a subtrial I know that's looking at the role of vitamin E and selenium. You're either going to get E and selenium, you're going to get randomized to just E or selenium or totally two placebos. Hmm. So it's a nicely designed yeah. trial. So we'll have a lot of information. We'll have in a future. lot of information. I know one of the subsets is this um, prevention of Alzheimer's disease trial. They're going to look for some, you know, obviously the memory and dementia issues in a subset. And I suspect we're going to get a lot of information once this trial is done. So to answer your question, that's the one ongoing trial right now that I know of. There might be some other small ones, but... Now, uh, Maria, of course, when we talk about chronic illness, we've got to talk about diabetes. Oh, yeah. Anything with selenium and diabetes? Actually, initially, there have been some reports that it looked like selenium might be protective with diabetes, but there's been two trials recently that have actually essentially contradicted that and actually raised caution. It looked like one group looked at actually a cross-sectional analysis of like almost 9,000 adults who participated in the NHANES 3 study. And in that analysis, they found that 
those individuals with the highest quintile of serum selenium, so the highest level, had a statistically significant increase in their prevalence of diabetes compared to those in the lowest. But it was interesting that middle group, the three middle quintiles, didn't have any association. And then another group, uh, Strangis et al., looked at this nutritional prevention of cancer trial. So basically when they reported their findings from that trial, they found an increased risk for diabetes among those study participants who were randomly assigned to receive the 200 micrograms of selenium Hmm. for a little over seven years compared to placebo. And that was a very unexpected finding. So you could say, well, you know, they weren't really looking for diabetes, so there might have been some, you know, issues there. But recent editorial by Blaze, who did that initial study in the N. Haynes group, they actually said that taking selenium supplements on top of an adequate dietary intake in people may increase the risk for diabetes. So I think there's really a message here, a cautionary message, that we shouldn't be just giving. And that's 200 micrograms is not an excessive amount. Just, I mean, it's four times yeah. the dietary reference. but Just 200, wow. It's 200, but that has been used. So I think we really need to kind of keep that in mind, especially in individuals with diabetes. Mm-hmm. I would suggest not to recommend that right now until we truly look to see if that recommendation still holds out. Do we know anything about selenium and mortality overall? There hasn't been a study that looked at selenium alone. And that's part of the issue with some of these antioxidant trials is often it's a cocktail of antioxidants that is given, you know, like vitamin C and E and selenium. Uh, one group, Bejlakovic et al., sorry, I might have slaughtered his name, but they looked at this sort of all-cause mortality and antioxidant supplementation that had been published to date, so they did a, a big review. And their recommendation was that treatment with beta-carotene, vitamin A, and vitamin E may actually increase mortality, but the potential roles of vitamin C and selenium on mortality need further study. So to answer your question, no, there hasn't been any information on selenium. I wouldn't be recommending necessarily anybody taking supplements right now. So you wouldn't recommend supplements across the board for no, selenium? No, I would not. I, I would recommend, I though, guess I should stop taking it. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's okay if it's a multivitamin. You know, the multivitamin level is not what I'm talking about. Right. I've okay. been taking 100 micrograms, actually. So that Are sounds, you? Yeah. Oh, well. Sounds like maybe I should stop. Well, it depends. Are you eating pretty healthy? Yeah, I eat real healthy. So what foods um, are selenium, is well, selenium found in? Selenium is one of those nutrients that's kind of dependent on the soil that it's grown in. In areas where there's adequate selenium, there's plenty of selenium in the diet. Generally, because like in the U.S. and even Canada, you know, we have quite the distribution of um, food, you know, all over the place. Mm-hmm. We're not at risk for mm. only eating food from a selenium-deficient soil. Right, that makes sense. Generally, yeah, generally the studies that have looked at cross-sectional studies where they've looked, you know, sampled the diet around the U.S. and Canada have found that a typical diet provides roughly 80 to almost 200 micrograms of selenium per day, a little higher in Canada. So really, that's about twice the you know, recommended dietary allowance. Generally, meat and seafood sources are higher than plant sources because an animal requires selenium, so therefore it won't survive if it doesn't have selenium, Therefore, it's, whereas a plant um, takes up selenium but is not dependent on it for its normal growth. Do we know about side effects from supplements? You know, when we're talking about the dietary reference intakes, when I said the recommended dietary allowance is 55 micrograms for an adult, and it's obviously less in children, they have come up with what they call a tolerable upper limit. So when we have enough information to say that, we have come up with this level. And for selenium, it's 400 micrograms per day. So it's a pretty narrow range of safety, and that's always what I teach our students, 
so it's not something that you want to play with in excess doses ever, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, in that tolerable upper, it's very clear that that's not what's recommended per day. That's the most you could have that you probably won't get into any problems. And the problems you would get into are things like, generally, it's called selenosis, and generally it's like brittle hair, brittle nails, hair loss. Sometimes you get nausea, vomiting, GI symptoms. Sometimes you get sort of garlic odor on your breath. Very interesting because, you know, for years we've been recommending our patients that take medicines that can be harmful to hair like Depakote to maybe look at at least selenium shampoos but maybe selenium supplementation. So maybe that's not even a good idea. If it's a multivitamin, it's going to be okay because that's not a large amount. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I've learned a lot today. Well, thank you very much. We've been talking about the role of selenium in chronic disease with Dr. Maria Busalis from the University of Kentucky at Lexington. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening. 